Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of FAM, Friends and Magic, a Magic the Gathering podcast brought to you by Swagoy Gaming. My name is Bill Grennan. Everyone calls me Brasky, and as always, I am joined by the Mighty Linguini, Caroline Cavanhawk, Conan Hawk, Eric Hawkins, and spoiler alert, we actually don't have Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher, so something new this week is uh, we're calling an audible. We're bringing in a little sub, and it is none other than Ben First shot, Weinberg. Ben, how are you doing? Before we get to everybody I, else, I mean, who cares about the other two right now? I want to know how you are doing right now. I am doing great. Qualified for the Pro Tour two weekends ago, so life is good. Fabulous. That's what we like to hear. And yeah, uh, Caroline, Eric, I guess, how was, how was your how's your weekend magic? Uh, I guess we're doing okay, too. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I was doing great up until five seconds ago. <laughs> Okay, let's rewind back a little bit. Caroline, oh my gosh, it's so great to have you on this podcast. Just how has your week of magic been? Has it been as fantastic as you are? It has. Actually, my week of magic's been really bad um, just because I scrubbed out of a bunch of PTQs. But overall, my week in general has been great. I just got back from California. I did some uh, Thanksgiving visits with the party family and... Um, now I'm back in Canada, so that's less great, but still fun. So I had a good good Thanksgiving weekend. Nice, nice. Conan Hawk, how about, how about you, you wonderful, wonderful human being? Was your week in magic as wonderful as you are? Uh, week was fine. Uh, spent basically all week playing standard and complaining about it a ton. Um, and then just realized that, uh, you know, I could stop complaining and just start playing some decks that I like and started actually uh, enjoying it a little bit the last uh, last day or two. So um, finding my love for standard again, I guess, is uh, is something that's great. It's true. Well, you know, a lot of us find our love in standard uh, by playing the one true deck in Magic the Gathering, which, of course, is blue-white control. And, um, Ben, you, you have a little experience with blue-white control. In fact, I believe the deck that I've been using for the past, oh, couple weeks or so is, uh, is a little something that I kind of borrowed, we'll say, stole from you. Yeah, I've been playing uh, blue-white. I grinded it to mythic. I mean, I played blue-white to diamond, and then I needed to play some quicker decks, so I started playing green-blue and historic, because Oko's Oko, and there's nothing better than Oko. Um, I think blue-white's great. I'm excited to see it in action at the MC. See what happens. Nice, nice. And of course, there's been uh, PTQ after PTQ after PTQ in the Pioneer side of things. Um, most of them at kind of funky times. Caroline, have you been uh, participating in any of those? Uh, I have. I was on the West Coast for the majority of the week last week that I had time to play. Uh, so the varying early mornings were kind of rough. I think two different occasions i got up at 5 30 to get ready and then on friday i played one at 10 a.m so it was a little more palatable uh, unfortunately the two 5 a.m or 6 a.m ones i swiftly went o2 which i guess is good and bad it does mean that my day ended very quickly and i could go back to bed um and I, I can't really tell if like getting up that early had a huge impact on my play i'm not really sure it was pretty interesting though Nice, nice. You know, Caroline, I think you'd be really, really proud of me because this past uh, week, well, at least the, the past several days, um, I have abandoned uh, blue-white control. I, I have I have stopped playing it. Um, I said, I'm going to set this aside. I'm going to put these cards down, and, and I am going to get away from blue-white control playing. So do you know what I played instead? You want to know? 
You want to know? Uh, please be a Boreal Grazer. Please be a Boreal Grazer. Close. It's in my sideboard. I have one copy in my sideboard just specifically for you because I am playing blue-green historic Nexus of Fate. That's that's what I'm doing. Wow. And it is it is absolutely really fantastic. To, I'm making really all of the friends. You really know how to win me back. Yeah. I'm making all the friends. But when I built out the sideboard, I literally took out one Aether Gust and put in a, an Arboreal Grazer just going, you know what? This is just going to make a great story. And it has come in handy against a few Flyers decks. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to drop this in there. And it's been absolutely hilarious. I haven't made any friends along the way, though. I forgot about a cool thing I did this weekend. What did you do? Well, it's a This Week in Magic specific. I didn't even write it in the show notes. Oh, my goodness. I did. I played um, Ben White's Power Cube um, this weekend. And I, for those that don't know me super well, I kind of don't like Cube. Um I generally don't like playing something that people are just significantly better slash further ahead in than me. So most people just know what cube is. They know all the good cards and they know all the decks. And I was like, but the mono red cards are always passing. So I usually don't like cube. But in our second go at it, I drafted a, a blue black uh, storm deck and I was the most proud I've ever been in my entire life. <laughs> I actually stormed off successfully against Sam, and it was great. Now I understand everything. What makes a cube a power cube? It plays power. <laughs> like Black Lotus, Moxes. Oh, oh, the power nine. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my. I, had... I, mean, I got to play with a combo cube this weekend. My friend got to uh, play Arcane Savant and imprint Time Warp on it, and then cast Splinter Twin to take all the turns. It's like Brass' Nessus deck. Yeah. <laughs> Which means I'm having a great time with it. Everything. So I had. Yeah. I mean, you would enjoy. I had, I had Mirari's Conjecture and Time Warp, and that was fun. I had two draw sevens in my in my deck. One was Time Twister, and one was the other one. Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. What's a six mana one? Time Spiral. Time Spiral. Yeah. So I had both of those. I had. I didn't have Lotus, but I had Soul Ring. I don't know. I had. I had a blast. I actually uh, was playing against BK, and I sort of. Well. Okay, so I mulligan to like five, and then he, he thought sees me, and my hand was like, uh, I think it was a bad card, time twister, and three lands. And so I hid, I like revealed my hand to only be four cards, and I just hid the time twister. And everyone else saw me do this because everyone was watching, it was the last match. But BK, for some reason, didn't see me do it. And so he took the bad card and was like, everyone's laughing. And he's like, guys, don't laugh at Caroline. Like, it's not her fault. She had to mulligan to four. Like, it's just unfortunate. And everyone's just like, just losing it. And I'm laughing too, because he really doesn't understand what's happening. And he just keeps going on about like, no, like, it's not funny. Like, let's just keep playing. And I have to come clean because he just doesn't, he didn't see it. I really thought I did it really obviously, like how I took the good card and like hit it. And so I felt really bad, so I had to show him. And then he got really upset that he was defending me. And so then he took my good card. So I just I, I, I need to be I need to be clear on this as the as the newest magic player amongst us. So you were literally playing with the power nine cards like Black Lotus and that kind of stuff. You had them physically in your hands. Yeah. I at, first picked Black Lotus in, in draft one. So so at that point, do you just at any point just look at your hand and realize, hey, uh, look at this card in my hand. I'm literally holding a Toyota Camry. It was insane. Like, it, like I, I know cubes exist. Gabby has one. I've I've played her cube before, but I've never, 
I normally just draft decks that don't play those cards. They tend like I draft just like white weenie or black or, or um, mono mono red. And so this was the first time that I had all those cards. We were driving back after our day of fun, and Ben's uh, Sam goes, "Oh, here, do you want Ben's Black Lotus?" And I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, I thought it'd be funny if I took his Black Lotus when we were leaving." And I was like, "Wait, you didn't do that, right? Because that wouldn't be very funny." And he's like, "No, I didn't do it. I I decided it wouldn't be very funny." You know, when a casual joke turns into, like, felony theft. (laughs) Yeah, end of friendship. You know that Black Lotus is good in White Weenie too, though, right? Like, you can cast three Savannah Lions off of it, and that's, like, pretty sweet. You just don't really see it. If it's not in your pack, like, in your pack, you're just not going to see it. Yeah, like, turn one creature, turn two Glorious Anthem or, like, Gideon or something. Yeah. It's, like, pretty sweet. (laughs) Sam did open in a pack. He had Black Lotus and Soul Ring, so he had to pass one. That was pretty great. Which um, one did he take? He took Lotus. He yeah, knew I, I was in Storm. There, there was like definitely some arguments that I've I've heard that like Soul Ring can be better. Well, and, uh, so I'm like interested to see which one he took. The, there was a couple reasons he said he took Black Lotus. He was playing a, a deck with like opposition or what's the one where you tap creatures to tap things. Opposition. Uh, there's yeah, opposition, opposition and there's glare ups of duel. I'm assuming it's opposition. It was opposition, and then he was also playing like Ewid, and like he just had a lot of color requirements, and he knew I was in storm, <laughs> so he took Black Lotus. He was helping me draft because I would ask him, I was like, okay, are these cards relevant? <laughs> and he'd be like, yes, you should take those ones. It was hard. I passed the mocks because I was playing High Tide and Bubbling Muck in my combo deck. I wanted all my lands to actually tap for manas. It was a combo cube with power. Yes. I once, uh, I once first picked Mother of Ruins over uh, Ancestral Recall and easily won my draft. Okay, I will never learn from you, Eric. That's fine. Or no, no, no it wasn't like Recall. Sorry, cube? it was Time Walk. It was Time Walk versus Mother of Ruins. That's what it was. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm you would like the combo cube because there's all the white hate bears, so you would draft mono white every time. Oh yeah, it's the best in power cubes. Anyway, yeah, I forgot that that happened. That was a fun part of my weekend. See, if I ever drafted something like that, I would just have I would just take whatever the most expensive card was. Bill, what do you have? Uh, I have a five color money deck. It's what I it's what I got. So turn one black lotus, turn two, just I play all of the power nine and I have no other cards but that. It's just a bunch of artifacts and that's about it. Luckily time twister's a power nine, so you get to draw seven. Ta da Yes, whatever you want. Well, I think, you know, the the power level of power cube is I guess okay, but if we want to take just a just a just a titch, just a step down a notch to uh what is it called? Standard. Uh we do have Mythic Championship 7 coming up. And uh there's been a lot going on as of the time that we are recording this, which is on December 3rd. We don't yet know all of the decks for MC7 that are coming out there, but people have been posting things. Uh, people have been showcasing what they're going to bring to the table. And uh, it's it's going to be interesting of what this Mythic Championship look, looks like in the full post-Oko world now that things are starting to really get fleshed out. And Caroline, if you could define Mythic Championship 7 from what you've been seeing, how would you define it? And if, uh, if you would... could put a single letter to it, which letter would that be? Oh, you're talking about the thing I wrote that showed up. Yeah. That makes sense. I would define it as the letter, or wait, MC7 is brought to you by the letter F. Because at least for what we've been talking about with Eric and our team, it looks like the three kind of decks that are going to be around for sure are food, 
fires and flash flash. I don't know if the numbers are going to be that high. Um, we know for sure one, one participant or one competitor is playing it, but I don't think the numbers are going to be outrageous. Um, but I think there'll be a lot of food decks and a decent amount of fires decks. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Um, like I think the food and the, the fires decks were a known quantity coming into the MC. Um, and then the flash decks, I believe, uh, you've been seeing, if you've been playing on arena, you've seen them all over the ladder recently. Um, and I think they're just like a good answer to the things like, uh, food and fires. And, um, I think they're going to do well at the MC because other people are going to be bringing food and fires. Like people are going to bring those in, in numbers. And then the flash decks, if they are as good as they look against those decks, you'll see them doing very well at the tournament. Ben, what's your input on, on the, uh, on an MC seven? Yeah, I mean, I think Food and Fires will have the highest percentage of the metagame. Though I want to see the top eight, which all the decks have 26 plus lands, because I think you just want to hit your land drops in this format. That's what you want to do with Food. Or the best deck, Blue-White Control. You know, you get to play 28 lands and four ops. Darn so you tootin'. never miss a land drop. Absolutely. Best deck. Already, already scientific fact. And you have Teferi to stop the Flash decks. So what else do you need? If there's one deck that's kind of outside of the purview, something that's not the Food Fires Flash, something that's not, you know, blue-white control, because it is a known commodity, if there's something out there that you, maybe you've seen that's kind of uh, a little bit off off the beaten path, a little bit off the cuff, is there any kind of deck you've seen out there that might make some noise? I could see something like um, the... I mean, it's not necessarily off the beaten path, but it's like something that you might not expect at, like, this these MC type things, and it's like the Embercleave decks... I know people have been talking about like the the black or the black red knights deck or like the cool decks or something like that. I think that people don't think those decks are as well positioned as like your food or fires decks, but they, you know, they they definitely have the the punch to get through those decks. And then also, um, you know, it like it's a deck where if you register it, if you get lucky just a few times um, in the right spots, you just you can just like easily steamroll a tournament. There's just like a cult of Embercleave that I found whenever I'm seeing people who stream magic. There's always just like this handful of people that will try no matter what to make Embercleave work. They'll just sit there and be like, no, it's tier one. Trust me, it's tier one. We're going to play all these Embercleave decks. And who knows? It might actually make an impact. It might not. Uh, something that certainly has made an impact outside of the realm of standard is in the world of Pioneer, where we did get some bans this time around. We uh, we lost uh, three cards in specific. Eric, what are those three cards that got banned out of Pioneer? So I believe everybody kind of knew that the um, the Smuggler's Copter and the Field of the Dead decks or Field of the Dead cards were going to be banned, um, and we had a strong inclination that once upon a time eventually would get banned. I don't know if they thought it was going to be specifically this specific one, but those are the three cards that got banned um, this week uh, from the Monday bannings. Um, obviously, with the week of PTQs. Um, we got to see a lot of field and a lot of mono black aggro. And I think the um, main thing for the mono black aggro deck is the existence of Smuggler's Copter allowed them to play cards like Thought Seize and Duress where they're situationally good and then get rid of them when they, they end up not being so good. And you could also just like have like, you know, the, the same thing could be said about like Murderous Rider when you like need more pressure, you can find other things. And then obviously it worked well with their creatures that could come back from the grave or the graveyard. And then, I mean, Field of the Dead was just a, a card that just, like, would dominate, you know, the board states and then also made it so that you couldn't play things like slower control decks because every time they make a land drop, they get to, like, make, you know, four, six, eight zombies or whatever it was. Caroline, is, is aggro 
gone? Where does aggro go from here in the Pioneer format, knowing that Mono Black uh, took such a hit? Uh, I'm not sure. It's pretty interesting. There were other aggressive decks. I'm surprised that you're coming to me for this, because, you know, we have uh, an expert in this chat regarding aggressive white decks. Um, I also saw some pretty interesting, like, there was a blue-green aggressive deck quotations um that did actually pretty well in the the old format um i've also seen some a lot of the decks that i guess i saw that were aggressive were unfortunately involving smugglers copter so it's actually really unclear uh going forward what that's like did the mono white deck have smugglers copter eric it did not have any equipment okay so that there's something that's probably most aggressive i guess mono red is still has to be still a thing right and aaron barrage played it to like 12th i think one of the ptqs mono red yep it was it literally just like the 2017 deck or i think so it had frenzies and room uh runaway steam steamkins but it, it had like the desert and did it have hazard i did not see hazard but i i know it had the desert yeah, I know that Aaron uh, specifically likes to make uh, their decks a little leaner. Um, like when people were playing uh, like the Frenzy decks, um, Aaron was playing the the Two Drop Saga um, where I can't remember the name of it. Flame of the Basically, Keld? Yeah, Flame of Keld. The, um, excuse me. So. The Flame of Keld. Oh, I'm sorry. The Flame of Keld. Uh, so just like, agree, or like leaning more towards like the all-in rush deck is uh kind of their step well they did found field of the dead they didn't ban the best field lotus field that deck looked like a blast to play i yeah, love do you want to talk, talk a little bit about what's in that deck not not everyone lives in the the twitters 24 7 so it has you. lotus field which is like a hexproof land that comes into play you sacrifice two lands and then it taps for three mana and the deck plays Desbian stage, so you can like copy it, and then you have hidden strings, which can untap two permanents. It Desbian has stages in this format. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's the hardest part about brewing on Pioneer. Is and then there's like in the format. a five mana like draw three, untap two lands. I don't even remember what it's called. Something uh, of the pages. Yes, pour over pages. Pour, I think pour over the pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you have Vizier of Tumbling the, Sands, maybe. That's, that untaps. That sounds right. Yeah, and then you have Fey of Wishes to go find your win condition eventually. And you have four dig through time, so you can just find everything. You have Sylvan Scrying to tutor for Lotus Field. Does this you one have Omniscience? All of them play one Omniscience. And then enter the for the infinite in the, side, in the sideboard? Yeah, you play Omniscience, you wish for infinite, and then you can win however you want. Like, I think Jace yeah. is the easiest way to win, right? Yeah, Jace is the easiest way. You do have an Emrakul. You have an Ugin to wipe the board. Isn't, um, um what's his name is in this format? Though, Laboratory Maniac is in the format, but I don't know if that's helpful. Well, the, the thing about Jace is, um, the way you win with, or like the way you win with Jace is that you enter the infinite and then you, yeah. you have one card left. So then Jace just allows you to mill that one card and then draw a card afterwards. Yeah, that's what I thought. But it is interesting that Lab, Lab Maniac is in the format, just saying. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely do some cool things with it, I'm sure. He is, yeah. right? Like, he was in Return to Ravnica. 
Yeah. I, I, I mean, would assume so. I'm going to guess that you're right. Like I said, the hardest part is knowing if the card's legal in Pioneer. Yeah, I mean, like, I saw people playing Possibility Storm and Teferi because, you know, that just locks your opponent out of the game. <laughs> Only one person gets to have the fun. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see where everybody goes from this, but I definitely think that um, things like the aggressive decks will, will, you know, they always start off really well because people are kind of messing around with, like, way too many things, and, you know, the people that are just killing you on turn four just kind of get to do their thing while people are tuning decks, but... I think that the the aggressive decks are kind of the the decks that will lose out from this ban uh, because Smuggler's Copter was such a big thing. They kind of targeted the Field of the Dead decks and stuff like that. Um, and I think Control and uh, things like Wilderness Reclamation actually pick up a lot from this. Um, control being able to like compete with a with extra actual win conditions, like they couldn't like actually keep up with something like Field of the Dead. Um, and then also with um, narrowing the the field a little bit also helps control decks you can kind of target what you want and then finally the the reclamation decks i think pick up a huge huge uh thing because they you know they, they're not going to get thought seized a hundred times um and you know like out of like the mono black deck which is which is something that's pretty big so i, mean, I would be surprised if take their time su survives through new years i think that's a card that's easily could get banned yeah, I mean that's yeah, that that's the big so question. You know, if, if you know, ne come next week or come after the holiday season, uh, dig through time. What else? What else do you think is on the chopping block as they keep kind of uh, just going week by week, band by band? I, I think mean, if we're okay. I think we're running out of things. I think the last two in my mind is uh, are the two big delve spells, uh, Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time. I'm curious, like th this format might like they survive standard. They did not get banned in standard. I mean, that is true. They, I think what I could see happening is four or five sets from now when Pioneer gets deeper, uh, kind of like Modern did, I can understand those cards becoming too powerful, but I really am struggling to see them. They have not made a huge impact now. That being said, the meta has shifted, and Nexus is really going to be the issue. The thing is, is like I think Dig might get banned, but I think Nexus is actually really the issue. So I'm not sure. Like I, I, I think they might have meet, met the like power level of the format. I don't know. I think Treasure Cruise is currently fine. I think Dig and Nexus Fade are both on the chopping block. Like, like is is Phoenix a deck? Can we? It has to be good, right? It's Phoenix been putting is up like one top eight deck. every like PTQ or some PTQs. It gains so much, I think. And one card that Jerry was talking about this week was Burning Earth. You know, as your non-basic hate right now burning earth is a fun magic card i don't know what that card does uh whenever you tap a not whenever a player taps a non-basic for uh for mana they take my damage <laughs> nice. it's a red and three enchantment can i play like a deck that just has hate enchantments like um cinder vines and burning earth and just maybe i'll just play an idol on or two and just call it a day I mean, yeah, just like that's like the idea of Enchantress, right? Just, sitting just, there play... just, just doing nothing for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's enchantments to be played. No, I, I doubt that that's a thing. I mean, you could pair versus that deck and you cast your eight mana Ugin and say, I'm going to exile all of these enchantments. Yeah, hopefully there's a lot less eight Ugins floating around with the field ban. Oh, do you know what deck is ready to go? Oh, what about full circle? I actually don't even know if I have the deck list, but on, on day one of Pioneer, I was 
on this cast, I talk a lot about like a boreal grazer, like ramp Tron deck that played Ugins and Emmer Cools and Ulamog. So maybe I'm back in business. It's like mono green ramp, I guess. Well, really, we will always know what's going to be banned in Pioneer because all we have to do is follow what Caroline plays because whatever she plays is going to get banned. So far, we're on track. I played both Black Green Field and Mono Black this week, so who knows? Just give me a heads up of what you want to play next, and that I'm way gonna I play can mono white. avoid buying it. Mono White? Oh, no. I'm going to play oh. Mono White with that theory so I get it banned so you can't play anymore. How do they ban Savannah Lines? It's Marty Wool Reaper. That's the, that's the reason Eric, it's too good. They make an Eric-specific ban list that just has his name and then a list of cards he can't play. Uh, it'd be a very sad, sad time. Probably just play more standard, I guess. Well, next up, we always have uh, one of our favorite sections of this podcast, which is the punt of the week. And this week, we have someone who has uh, not participated in, in this little section, hasn't given us one of their big punts yet. And that's going to go to Caroline Kavanaugh. So, Caroline, what was your big punt of the week? So I will say this is my first, uh, my first, you know, sharing of a punt of the week. Well, honestly, the reason that it's hard to share the punts is because I believe I make a punt every match. It's just really hard to think like, oh, what was it? Um, but when I was playing in the PTQ, I was playing mono black um, and Ben White's was was chilling before Thanksgiving dinner. So he was hanging out with me and we were watching, we, we were playing a, a game and I had some fatal pushes in my hand. My opponent was playing uh, like a green ramp strategy and they had a ballista in play. The ballista was only on one and they hadn't actually done anything hugely productive. And I was actually just really destroying my opponent with Rankle, four mana, three, three flyer. Uh, and then on their turn, they cast Nissa and, and just the, you know, they cast it, it was leaving them with one land untapped before using Nissa. And, you know, I they plussed on a land and I instinctively said, sure. And then we go to combat and in combat, um, Ben said, Ben was like, oh, we should have killed the Ballista. Because we had plans to kill the Ballista the whole time. We were just trying to wait to see what else was going to happen. And so I killed the Ballista and in response, they put a counter on it. And he goes, oh, we really, really, really should have killed the Ballista in response to Nyssa. So what was happening is like when they cast Nyssa, either when they cast it or when they plussed it on the land, they only had uh, a minimum of two to three mana before I let them untap the land. And as soon as I let them untap it, then they can add a counter to Walking Ballista with four mana. And it's funny, like in the moment I was like, oh, it's, you know, oops, like we did that, that's fine. And then every play of the game for the rest of the match was just, oh, wow, if Ballista had one less counter, this would be totally different. Um, and that those parts are kind of hard to explain, but there were plays where I had, an, you know, I had the Fatal Push for the Ballista. I think we ended up not killing the Ballista on that turn. We killed something else. Um, and I had, you know, all of these answers, but I just kept playing cards that were just slightly bigger um, than what we needed to deal with. And I just ended up getting out of hand very quickly and we actually lost to a meme card a card that i i personally have history with in the meme world uh, and that's azakan archer which is a one four uh archer that comes into play and fights a creature if you want to it fights a creature so it's a one four uh, so it can't fight many options but it can fight a one one which we had um and yeah the, the card stops a three three flyer because it has reach 
uh, and we just we didn't have enough resources to kill both that and the walking ballista. Um, and it was pretty interesting. It was something that all came back to this one decision to just click okay. And and the thing I struggle with the most is on Moto especially, I I have to double check each time if I'm clicking okay to move to the next phase. Like I'm like, okay, wait, is this their phase? Is this my phase? Whatever. And that means that I tend to take a lot of time on the clock. So I need to make sure that I play click quickly. So I usually click fast and then I don't make decisions well sometimes. So moto downward thumb. You know, I can understand that at the very least coming from an arena player. Cause as I was saying, I was playing Simic Nexus and uh, there would be times that I would just go on autopilot and all of a sudden I would forget to put a stop on my end step. And then, you know, wilderness, wilderness reclamation triggers and then i go oh wait what happened oh i missed i missed all the stuff i was going to do because i didn't put that stop on my end step yeah and i think that's actually a bit of an issue with arena in moto in general like um it adds extra skill set and skill checks that aren't there in regular paper like um you could just say okay go to my end step and then you know as they trigger you say okay well as these are triggering i'm going to tap mana like you don't have to tell your opponent opponent i'm gonna stop in my end step <laughs> like it's it's not like that in paper uh same the thing i do the most on arena is i forget an upkeep stop for castle like if i'm thinking about what i want if i want to do blue castle or not whereas in paper you could just pause in your draw in your upkeep and think okay what do i want to do here like it's it's definitely a skill check that can be kind of annoying for sure Bill's just going to show up with this playmat that has the stops on it. And he's just going to move like this, like little like rock. And it's just like this. These are my stops. I'm going to stop at this, this rock now and just like pull off the rocks as they. And then you just have no room left on your mat for magic. Well, that brings us to, you know, getting better at the game of magic. It's getting better at, at learning it, at getting lit, as we like to say. So uh, I would like to know what y'all are doing to get better at magic this week. First shot, let's go with you. Um, so this week, um, I was didn't do a lot myself. Um, I was watching some people stream. Um, I've also been trying to help Skyblizz get ready for the MC. Um, so we've just been talking about sideboarding plans, like, and one thing that I discussed was like, Duress isn't a card you always want to play on turn one. It's a card that has a lot of like you want to wait. Sometimes wait till turns four or five, like before they can play Time Warp. Or time wipe, yeah, time wipe. Um, so like they can't wrath or like to get their absorb, so you can resolve your questing beast. Like on turn one, you're just taking a random card that may or may not affect the game at all. So yeah, this week it was more of trying to help other people get better than myself because I don't have any tournaments for a while. Eric, what about you? Um, for standard, it's just like, you know, just jamming a bunch of standard, playing it on stream, having, you know, trying to find some fun in the, in the, in standard, which I, I find finally ended up, uh, having. And, uh, otherwise for the other formats, I watched a lot of like the people playing pioneer PTQs, um, because like they had the whole week of that. And basically I just like wanted to learn the rules of pioneer. Um, obviously things have changed the, like, you know, with the bannings and such, but um, there are definitely people still like not just playing field, not just playing mono black and all that stuff. So when I do end up playing pioneer and even, even though things change, I do want to know like what, what deck lists have what cards so that when I, you know, go up against somebody and like, you know, uh, Caroline mentioned a teamer deck or, 
Ben mentioned the um, the Lotus Field deck. I'm not just like when someone's like Lotus Field, I'm like, that could be anything. They could just literally play any card now, right? It's like, oh, I, I Lotus Field means this. And, you know, um, Teamer Colors mean this, right? And like, I know what cards are kind of showing up. So um, I like to try to memorize most of the deck lists that I, that I see so that I can, I, I don't be um, caught off guard, I guess. And Caroline, what are you jumping into this week to get better at the game? Ah, oh, man. I, it's interesting. I, I wrote Pioneer when I originally thought about this, um, but I realized I actually have a modern tournament this weekend. So I think I'm actually going to be doing some modern testing. Um, I, I only really play Tron, so I don't really know what the testing part will be. Um, but from the results I saw from a lot of modern tournaments, is it looks like Eldrazi Tron is really where it's at which is not something I'm super excited about. I might just play Mono Green Tron for fun. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't decided. It's one of these uh, face-to-face events, which is similar to the SCG, except a lot smaller because it's in Canada. Uh, and I think this one, I, actually, I'm not sure. I think there might be a Pro Tour invite to that first place, but I can't remember because they just made some changes. So I actually, it's funny. Ben might actually know because Ben did a lot of research on this for me. Um, but I'm not sure if the kick in the pro tour invite stuff kicks in now or kicks in later. So I, I don't know, but I'm going to one this weekend. So it'll be fun. Is everything smaller it, in Canada? Is that the thing? It's just, every, it's in Canada. So it's a lot smaller. Like there's the, the, the moose are actually very small. You guys think they're these huge, scary animals. They're actually little things that just wander through our neighborhood. They're like raccoons. They're cute. I want to add those yeah, like the cards. I don't cards. think they're as small as raccoon. Yeah. No, they're really, they're little raccoons. I, I swear. Yeah. Moose, moose are not as big as people think. Itty bitty moose. How big are polar bears? Are they smaller in Canada too? Uh, well, they're up north, so they're actually miniature. They're actually just the snow. Like you actually can't see polar bears. All those photos are photoshopped. Are they they're, in the none of it or whatever it's called? There's yeah, they're up in none of it and Northwest Territories and the Yukon. Yeah, most of the photos you see is just they're just playing with perspective, like how they film Lord of the Rings. You yeah, know? They, that's how they make those animals look so big. I just want yeah. Them to, Santa Claus yeah. is actually Santa Claus is from Canada too. He's actually really small. Like really, really, and the closer you get to the North Pole, the smaller everything gets. Yeah, he's like Dalsa. Yes, you already have your Christmas tree set up, so I you're do. good to go. Oh, I wish, I wish the podcast could see. I put all of my like Funko Pop uh, planeswalkers in my Christmas tree. It looks very cute. I wish there was like a second, like another set of Magic: The Gathering cards fit for Canadian things. It's like, well, you can play Realm Cloaked Giant, which is like a seven-seven, or you can play Canadian Realm Cloaked Giant, which is a three-three. It's funny. We actually do have one thing in Magic that's named after Canada, but it's not. It doesn't change its size. We have Canadian Highlander, um, which is basically Commander, but with like a point list, like a restricted um, number of points that you can play. So a lot of cards are just normal zero points, and then all the cool cards, like the power cards and stuff, are all um, pointed point value. My first Legacy deck was Canadian Threshold, so I Um, I have a fond memory of. Canada, Dave Kaplan. Yeah, I was trying to think, man, Legacies. That's an episode that we could go on for a while, and that's Legacy yeah. deck names. Whew. But your PTQ is, uh, or your event this weekend is a Pro Tour qualifier. Sweet. It's actually a Pro Tour qualifier, or it's one of those things that awards it's a Pro Tour. Invite. Open Plus events are now Pro Tour qualifiers, okay. so I don't know if it's considered an MSN or if it's a... Well, the, the thing I'm wondering is, is, is it like an SCG where you can play in it even if you're qualified for the Pro Tour? Or is it actually considered a PTQ? Uh, I think it's... I actually, this is I, not a question you'll know. I actually I, just want to find out. 
I believe anyone like can play in this in town, one. Could he play in this event? I believe Sand could because it's a part of a tournament series. That's but, yeah, that was my question. But but also one thing I forgot about for getting better, uh, I realized I should play Oko in every format's legal because it showed up in the Legacy Grand Prix Finals with seven copies between the two decks. Mm. So play Oko. Sounds like somebody messed up by one. <laughs> that yeah, is either the person who played three was correct. And the person who played four messed up by one, <laughs> or the person who played four was correct and the person who played three was was wrong. I just made some elk tokens for my roommate. He's playing Bant Snow Control. I don't know if he made that title up, but it sounded pretty made up to me. It's basically Teferi, Oko, and some elks. An Astrolab. Uh, I don't. I want to know if he has Urza. I guess he might not. He should, right? He should just still have Urza. Caroline, how do you put? Oko into Tron. Can you put Oko into Tron? Be right back. I'll go try. Simic Signet. Oh my like... gosh. And then I could just, if I just have like extra stars lying around, I could just make my stars into three threes and smash you. Yeah. Simic Tron. Sounds great. You're probably going to sack your stars to cast the Oko. Yeah, maybe. Also, while we were doing this conversation about trying to figure out if my event is a PTQ, Eric messages the group and says, Caroline, I have an affinity list that you can test before going back to Tron. So I, I'm glad things never change, Eric. Eric, you yeah. know that affinity cards are colorless and not white, right? Yes, but they play much like White Weenie. Okay. Um, you basically just cast all of them and attack and then see what happens. I think that's like how affinity works. Maybe your your mono white weenie cards are just so faded from playing them so often they look like colorless cards. Uh, Venerated Loxodon has affinity for other creatures. <laughs> That's true. Have you put him in your affinity deck yet? I did try the version that had it in it, and it wasn't as good as I had hoped. Yeah, that was definitely a card people tried. Um, Frenzy was a big one. Frenzy actually did okay. Frenzy's was pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Fatal Frenzy's the best with Atog. Ooh. <laughs> I think Affinity is my favorite deck because every new set, someone just fives o five O's with like funky card from that set affinity so like Cur frenzy gingerbread ginger affinity and all <laughs> that glitters yeah all that glitter oh yeah that that actually kind of makes sense there's been some other funky ones like well i guess loxodon bomat career yeah bomat that's the big thing for you this week conan hawk is going to be i want you to make a funky affinity deck and do moderately well with it. You don't have to five zero something. Just do moderately okay. Don't, don't help him. He'll he'll not test the standard that we need him to test for no, Skyville. No, it's going to be great. He's going to come back with with his Eldrazi weenie deck, and it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> well, he needs know. a test standard anyway. He has a PTQ. Yeah, I mean, I could just like brew up a list with Frogmites because it's like one of my favorite cards ever. Done and, and done. Nobody yeah. plays it anymore, and we're great. Oh wait, can people get you to sign Frogmites at Grand Prix? Oh, yeah. If you bring any Frogmites to Grand Prix, I will sign all of them. Would you rather sign Frogmites or Savannah Lines? Both? They're, like, basically the same power level. Well, whatever we're going to be looking to do uh, and what we're going to compete in, there's going to be a few things to compete in, especially before we hit the new year. And uh, to give us the rundown of all the things that are going to be coming up this week is one of our favorite times to listen to Caroline as we discuss where in the world is Caroline going to be or what's coming up in Magic. Okay, before I share all the goodies, I have a real important question. Okay. Because I totally don't listen to this podcast after we record it. Sure thing. Do you put any cool music in this segment? 
In this one, um, well, you don't listen, so I can lie to you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now that you've lied to me, can you also start putting in really cool music? Something like um, like a newsroom, like do 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 do, or I don't know. How about the where in the world is, and then we just like have Brassy going, Caroline Cavanaugh. Yeah. <laughs> where in the world is Carmen San Diego music? That's what we're gonna do. Something free that we could find. It would, would we get? So fun. Would we get copyright hit if I use like exactly two seconds of that? So it'd just be the where in the world is, and then I jump in with that. Like, would we get a copyright strike for that? I don't think so. I, I, I think I there's like a law that's like you. ten seconds or under. Okay. No, it's gotta be less than ten seconds. Yeah, it's gotta be less than that. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Ten well, seconds is a long time. Uh, in, in either case and anyway. maybe i just need to find my own barbershop quartet so we can make our own version of this okay well i'm just saying that i request special cool music i was picturing more like newsroom thing like you know like a news alert like, mm -hmm. doop, doop. I, i'm not really doing it very well but i know what it sounds like in my head no you go ahead no don't you, you, here's what we'll do we'll let you make the background no, music right now no. and then i'm gonna cut it out i'm gonna like edit it into something really cool but it has to start with you going what you think a newsroom like bulletin breaking news thing is ready Three. also twice, can so. you add like the hand motions that she's making mm -hmm. somehow into the podcast absolutely oh yeah yeah. Absolutely. I can't wait for this podcast to be video because I talk with my hands like a lot. It's true. Okay, so transitioning. Great insert great transition here. Two Twitch Prime goodies. Um so this isn't actually a where event. This is more just a what event. Um, Twitch, uh, Twitch is owned by Amazon, which is, was a, a new news last year. Uh, and they've been doing this thing that's pretty cool, linked to your Prime account. Um, and occasionally you get some goodies through different video games. Um, Magic has not really done them before. I think there might have been a sleeve package a couple uh, months ago or so. But this is the first time that, that I know of that... Um, is getting a pretty cool uh, upgrade. You get a full deck. Uh, you get one rare, which I believe is just Liliana the something horde general. Dread horde. Dread horde dread general. Uh, you get five rares. I couldn't tell you what they are. 22 uncommons and 11 commons. And I really hope those numbers are right because I wrote them down as Eric was talking. So I don't actually know if they're correct. But it is some sort of black deck uh, that you get. And how you do it is by going to your Twitch account making sure you're linked to your Prime account. And then from there, there's a little like drop down menu that says, look at all these cool things you get. And when you click on the arena one, it gives you a code. Code goes into your arena account. Bam, free stuff. Um, some stuff that is coming up this week. So I mentioned last week that December 6th through 8th is MC7. Uh, the kind of notes I have here is, is MC7 is deciding who will be in the MPL, who will not. It's deciding worlds. Um, in fact, there may or may not be a pretty cool world announcement at this MC7. I'm predicting. I'm not really sure what it could be, but it'd be, I'm sure it's going to be great. Um, it's also the last MC of the year, so you know it's a good kind of wrap up to the story. It's. I assume there'll be some sort of. Well, actually, I don't know this, but it's a cool idea to think about the the last seven MCs this year and how different this this year was in Magic and. Um, it's a pretty cool reflection on that. Uh, and I learned a little bonus thing that December 6th through 8th is also Magic Fest Brisbane in Australia. And before we were actually at our, our team meeting, we were talking about this. And I was like, really? Like, 
why would they put a Grand Prix the same weekend as MC7? And then I realized why they did it. And it's because on the schedule last year, or when they made the schedule last year, this weekend coming up was supposed to be a paper pro tour in Australia. <laughs> and it was scheduled, I think it was actually going to be the sixth pro tour of paper. And they cut it. They cut two pro tours. They cut Dallas, I think, was the other one in the summer. Um, they cut two pro tours from paper and they turned them into three arena tournaments. They added an arena uh, MC. Um, but I totally forgot until someone brought it up in the meeting and I was like, that's why they kept the Grand Prix, which I think is, is a funny little tidbit. Uh, and then we have December 13th to 15th is a Magic Fest Oklahoma City, which is standard. Um, I know that, Ben, you are definitely going. No, I'm not going to any more Grand Prix. I've qualified for the MC. But you go to every tournament. No, I don't. I think Channel Fireball might just call you and say, why aren't you here? Yeah, it's too far away. And plus, I do bad at the Grand Prix. I do much better on the side events. Sean will literally have driven you. (laughs) I'm a little bit of a detour for him. He was trying so hard to go. And we were going to try to get Brasky to go, too. I mean, he can pick up Eric. I mean, Eric, are you actually going to go? No, I decided not to go until they start doing the um, the partial invites. Fractional. Yeah, the fractional invites, so that that way I can like save the money that I was going to set aside for uh, Magic Fest OKC for the ones that happen in January. Yeah, I, I'm the same way as well. I also am skipping this one, um, but I am not skipping the next one, which is December 20th to 22nd, Magic Fest Portland. Um, Portland is quite a relatively short drive relative meaning six hours but you know it's not bad uh i might actually be flying i really don't know but it's close by that i want to go um and i'm super excited i forgot to mention this last time but portland has um an array of ptqs as all the grand prix do now and actually recently there was a big announcement about the changes to formats for ptqs so i would recommend if you had plans you're like oh i'm going to this you know Magic Fest and I wanted to play in this scheduled PTQ, I would double check it hasn't changed to Pioneer. Uh, it's kind of been sporadic on which ones did change. For the most part, Modern was replaced by Pioneer and sometimes Standard, but I would really just go double check your schedule because who knows. However, for Magic Fest Portland, it is, I believe, the first time, and if I'm wrong, feel free to tweet at me, there will be a PTQ that is solely draft. It is six rounds of draft. So the first three rounds is one draft and then a break and then another draft and three more rounds. And then the top eight is also draft. So it's basically day two of a Grand Prix and of a limited Grand Prix. And I'm so excited. Earlier on the call, um, Ben was like, oh yeah, they changed all the PTQs in the entire world to Pioneer. And I was like, they better not have taken my draft PTQ away because I am so hyped. Uh, So it's 65 bucks. It is a little on the steep side for a PTQ, um, but it's draft, and I'm so excited. So yeah, that's all I got. Um, I don't, I didn't put in any holiday stuff here, but after the 22nd is a bunch of fun holidays for me and for Ben. <laughs> well, yay, all around. That's gonna be fantastic. I think there's. I'm still kind of exploring whether or not I might be able to go to Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. It's, it's probably well, none of us will be there. I know it's, it's probably it's probably going to be a no go because that would that probably be the biggest reason why I don't want to go to a, a place and just be like, well, I don't know anyone. That's, I don't know anybody. Sean will go if you go. Okay, <laughs> call it good. Let's see. Let's see what we can do. I'm going to explore it. See if we can make it happen. And if we do, it it certainly would be a super super fun time. Um, but 
who knows? There's always going to be a lot happening. There's always going to be a lot going on. And I know that uh, for a lot of us, we want to be able to kind of keep pace with whatever is happening in the world of magic. And that's what you can do when you listen to this podcast. So uh, when you're not listening to the podcast, you should be enjoying the content that a lot of us produce and a lot of us make. So let's kind of go around and uh, discuss where people can find you on the Internet. And let's start with our special guest. Uh, first shot, Ben, where can people find you on the Internet? Um, so I'm on twitch.tv uh, slash firstshot, uh, F-I-R-S-T-S-H-O-T. It's very hard for me to spell right now. Um, I'm also on Twitter at B Weinberg, uh, B-W-I-E-N-B-U-R-G. And that is where you can find me. I do not have the Instagram yet. And Caroline, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mighty Linguini, M-I-G-H-T-Y-L-A-N-G-U-I-N-E. You can find me on Instagram at the Mighty Linguini. Uh, and you can find me on twitch.tv slash the Mighty Linguini. And just a side note, I was talking about Twitch Prime earlier and how cool it is that you get a free deck. You also, with Twitch, get a free sub for you know any streamer that you want to support in any way. You know, and there's a couple in this in this podcast. So just saying, Twitch Prime super great. I stream on Wednesdays. Um, I always have a magic guest, but I don't always stream magic. Uh, I'm back in Vancouver for this month, so it is likely I will increase my stream uh, from once a week to maybe two or three times a week. So feel free to check me out. Absolutely, Eric. Where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter on Instagram, and on twitch.tv, all at Conan Hawk. That's C-O-N-A-N-H-A-W-K. I stream Monday through Friday as long as my uh, travel allows it. Um, and every time before I go live, I always uh, give a, uh, you know, usually an hour or so heads up on Twitter. So definitely give me a follow there. And uh, like Caroline was saying, uh, there is the the free Twitch Prime sub. So if you if you have one laying around, uh, definitely swing by. Um, well, I guess there's there's three of us that are that are streaming. I, I don't know if Brasky is doing some streaming ever, but uh, you know maybe four of us. You know, it's been a while since I've done some streaming. I need to get back into it. But if people were ever to find me streaming, they could, of course, find me at Brasky1142, and they can find me on Twitter at Brasky1142 as well. But uh, that's going to do it for us this week. It's been an, an awesome time chatting with everybody, and we hope that you have a wonderful rest of your time as well talking about Magic the Gathering, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Happy birthday to you. <laughs> oh, no, we forgot to say happy, happy okay, birthday. Okay, well, I didn't mean to not say it. To no, you. it's fine. Just keep going. <laughs> happy birthday. So have you ever listened to a recording? Happy birthday to Ben. But this sounds terrible. It's got to be better after Prasky edits it. Edited. Edits so bad. It. Yep, it's going to be wonderful. Everything about it is going to be Sam's podcast has a thing where their highest level of Patreon you, they'll sing happy birthday for you on your birthday. And oh, it's nice. really bad. Because <laughs> we're all slightly yeah. delayed by like a few seconds. Are you saying that that wasn't good? Yes. <laughs>